0: Well, each week for the four weeks of Advent that we're celebrating this year, we're going to focus on a different Christmas hymn. And we're going to look at its history very briefly, but mainly we're going to focus on the scriptural basis for the song and what its message is. And part of the reason for that is, um, in First Corinthians 14, as Paul writes to the church in Corinth, one of the things that he says is, I will sing praise with my spirit. But I will sing with my mind also. And a lot of times it's easy for us, especially with Christmas songs, to just sing them and not really be engaged with what the message of the song is. And it's also the case sometimes with some of the Christmas songs that there are some uh, words or phrases that are a little bit more archaic and we may not even know what they mean. We just sing them and we want to be engaged with what's going on when we're singing these songs. And so I picked four songs that we're going to look at. And uh, we're going to take a little bit of time just to dig into what that song is saying. But really, the, the purpose of this is to see how the message of the song flows out of Scripture so that we are singing with the understanding as we worship God in the Christmas season. The first one that we're going to look at is, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. So that's our focus for today. And if you can think of that song, it's a little bit different than a lot of the other Christmas songs. It's sad in tone, it's sung in a minor key, maybe mournful. And the reason for that is it is looking forward in time to when Christ would come. In other words, when you sing this song, you're kind of stepping into the shoes of Old Testament saints who were longing for the Messiah to come. And so you're focused on the promises that God has given and who this is that will be coming according to God's promise. The main text that we would think of for this particular song is Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And if you know what the word means, Emmanuel means God with us. Let's take a few minutes, though, to look at the history of the song. This is actually an interesting song because of how old it is. And don't worry about what I've got here on screen quite yet. This song goes all the way back to the seventh or eighth century, and it's what's called the great antiphons or chants. And so these were chants that were sung in the days leading up to Christmas Eve. So the, the seven chants, the seven parts of it, are here listed for you, and you see there's a name there in Latin. That's its official name because this was part of the Latin liturgy of the church. But then you also have the translation here, so you can see. So sapientia is wisdom, adonai is Lord, radix Jesse, the root of Jesse, clavis David, key of David, oriens day spring. Rex Gentium, King of Nations, and Emmanuel, God with us. And so these are seven names of Christ that are celebrated in these old, centuries-old chants leading up to Christmas Eve. So from December 17 to December 23rd, as the church gathered each evening or each day, they would sing one of these chants. What I want to do is, before we go any further, give you just a sample. And so this is a a modern recording of a more old version of the seventh of these chants. So we're looking at Emmanuel, God with us, and you can hear a little bit of what that might have sounded like. you were part of the church, you would sing in Latin. All of the, uh, the worship of the church was done in Latin. That changed through the years. But this particular set of chants, the great antiphons, was translated into English in the ninth century by Kinewolf. He was one of the uh, more well-known old Eng- English poets And so he translated this, and by the time he did that, five more antiphons had been added. So there was 12 chants. And just to give you an idea of the length of what he did, uh, his translation was 439 lines of poetry. No, we're not going to sing it all this morning. Don't worry. Uh, But he had this poem. It was called Christ One, because he had Christ One, Christ Two, and Christ Three, and they each focused on a different part of the life and ministry of Christ. Now, many years later, fifteen hundreds, you had the Reformation. So you have men like Luther and Calvin, and one of the things that they did was they reformed the worship of the church. And so they brought the Bible in the common language, and they brought the worship of the church into the common language. And so then there was a response to that by the Catholic Church, which is called the Counter-Reformation, where they kind of tried to update some of. Uh, their their worship as well, to keep up. And so some of these things became more accessible in English. And um, during that time, this particular song was translated into Latin and into English over and over again. So as you look at the history of it, there's just many, many versions of this, uh, of, of this song. But it got kind of reduced back down to the original seven chants, the original seven antiphons. And... Um, Even today, you'll find all kinds of different versions. Depending on what hymnal you might pick up and look at, you'll find a different version of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The first complete English language, modern English translation, that followed all seven of the antiphons was by Ronald Knox. And... um, you can't see it, I recognize, but there's seven sections there and what I just wanted to show you is that it goes with the original seven names of Christ that are celebrated in this. So you would read Ronald Knox's version and it would sound a little bit different and you're gonna, we're gonna hear each stanza um, a little bit later as we look at the scriptural basis for them. The one that we're probably most familiar with is a translation by um, John Neal and it's been altered by Henry Coffin And that's the one that I'm going to have you listen to now. So this is the version that we sing as a church. We're going to just listen to it. But what I'd like you to listen for particularly is those names of Christ. Now this one has reduced it from seven to four. And so the four names that you'll hear in here are Root of Jesse, Key of David, Day Spring, and Emmanuel. This is the version that we typically sing. And at the end of the message, we will sing this one today. But for now, just listen to the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel.
1: The gloomy clouds of night and death's dark shadow. Yeah.
0: turn in your Bible, if you would, to Proverbs chapter 8. Proverbs chapter 8. What I'd like to do is I'd like to go back to the version that Ronald Knox gave us, which follows all seven of these names of Christ. And for each one, I'm just going to read the stanza for you, and then we're going to look at the scriptural basis for it. I'm not going to have you turn to all of them, but I'm going to have you turn to two of them this morning. This first one is one of them. So the first one is wisdom. O come thou wisdom, whose decree doth govern all things peacefully. The way of prudence here below, and life hereafter deign to show. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. If you're in Proverbs 8, it's an interesting chapter because here, wisdom is personified. Wisdom is treated as if it is a person. And so the author of Proverbs tells us right off the bat in verse 1, does not wisdom call, does not understanding raise her voice? So wisdom is calling and inviting. Wisdom is someone who is asking you to come in and listen. Jump down to verse 5. O simple ones, learn prudence. O fools, learn sense. Hear, for I will speak noble things, and from my lips will come what is right, for my mouth will utter truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. And then verse 9. They are all straight to him who understands, and right to those who find knowledge. Here we see that wisdom speaks truth. Now, ultimately, wisdom is pointing us forward to Christ. That's why it's considered one of the names of Christ. And when Jesus comes, he speaks truth. In fact, he even tells us that he himself is the truth. Look down at verse 22 of Proverbs 8. No, I'm sorry, verse 17. I love those who love me, and those who seek me diligently find me. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Verse 22, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work, the first of his acts of old. Okay, what's that saying? What's the beginning of God's work? And wisdom was already there at the beginning of God's work. That's interesting. Look down at verse 27. When he established the heavens, I was there. When he drew a circle on the face of the deep. The Lord possesses wisdom even at the creation. Before the creation began, wisdom was there. Well, what was there before God created anything? Only God. Wisdom here is being personified as God himself, or more specifically, Jesus himself present at the creation of the world. Look at verse 32. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. How many times in the Gospels do we hear Jesus imploring people to listen to him, to hear his words? Look at verses 35 and 36. For whoever finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself. All who hate me love death. What you do... With Jesus and his words is a matter of life and death. Jesus is wisdom. O come, thou wisdom, whose decree doth govern all things peacefully, the way of prudence here below and life hereafter deign to show. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee. Israel, that's the first name of Jesus. The second one is Adonai, or Lord. O come, thou everlasting Lord, who once by Israel's host adored, thy dread commandment madest known, in majesty of glory shown. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. I won't have you turn here, but Exodus 20, God speaks and reveals his law at Mount Sinai. And and God arrives on the mountain in glory and he speaks. And Exodus 20 says, God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. And the commandments go on from there. So God shows up in glory on Mount Sinai, and He says, I'm the Lord, I'm the one who redeemed you. And Jesus, when He comes, the Messiah, is also the Lord. And He also comes with glory. John tells us, We beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus is the new lawgiver. O come, thou everlasting Lord, who once by Israel's host adored, thy dread commandment madest known, in majesty of glory shown. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The third name for Jesus in the great antiphons, or in O come, O come, Emmanuel, is the rod of Jesse. O rod of Jesse, mystic bow. From Satan's cruel snares do thou, from death's grim dungeon we implore, and hell's abyss thine own restore. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. I'll ask you to turn to this one too. Turn to Isaiah chapter 11. Isaiah chapter 11. And as you're turning there, I'll just explain. Sometimes you see a slightly different translation here. The rod of Jesse, or the root of Jesse, or the shoot of Jesse. It's the idea that it's a plant. It's a a branch or a shoot. Um, It's something that has grown as a plant. That's kind of the common theme amongst those different translations that you find of what this particular word means. Isaiah chapter 11. Let me read starting in verse 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. So we have to stop and ask ourselves, well, who is Jesse? Jesse is the father of David. David was Israel's greatest king and David was promised that a descendant of his would sit on on Israel's throne forever. Well, in time... David's descendants are no longer sitting on the throne. But God's promises are sure. And so as you look forward to the Messiah, you recognize that this one who's coming as a king is going to be a descendant of David, a shoot from the stump of Jesse, so to speak. Jump down to verse 4. With righteousness he shall judge the poor, And decide with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips, he shall kill the wicked. So he's going to bring death to the wicked. He's going to come as a king who judges. We've had the symbol of life in the first verse, this shoot that comes out of what seems to be a dead stump, but here we also have in verse four death. He's going to bring death to the wicked. He's going to be a righteous judge. And then in verses 6 through 9, we have this picture of life flourishing as God intended under the rule of this Davidic king who's coming. So look at verses 6 through 9. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together, and a little child shall lead them. Life is going to flourish the way that God intended. And then finally, verse 10. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. So this root of Jesse, this one who comes up from Jesse's stump, this Davidic king, is going to be a signal for the peoples. When I read this, what comes to my mind is the Lord of the Rings trilogy and the signal fires that get lit so that you can see from, from one place to the next. And the message goes from land to land. So it goes beyond the borders of a nation and it carries even to the next nation. That's kind of the idea here. This king is going to be a signal to the nations. And so those nations are going to come. They're going to inquire. And the place where this king rests, his throne is going to be glorious. So this is going to be a king who draws the nations in, even in his glory, and his reign will be a reign where things flourish the way that God intended. O rod of Jesse, mystic bow, from Satan's cruel snares do thou, from death's grim dungeon we implore, and hell's abyss thine own restore. Rejoice, rejoice! Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. You can see in those words the undoing of all of the damage that sin and death and hell have done. When this one who brings new life flourishes and grows out of the stump of Jesse. The next is the key of David. O come, thou key of David's store. Unlock the heavenly gates once more. Safe journey to thy courts bestow and shut the way that leads below. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The verse that, we can see here is Revelation chapter 3 and verse 7. And if you know what the setting is for Revelation 3, these are the letters to the seven churches. This particular letter is the church in Philadelphia. And verse 7 says this, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. Now, that setting in Revelation, in chapter 1, it's clear that it is Jesus Christ who is sending these messages. And so he's the one who has the key of David. He's the one who opens and shuts. Jesus is the only way to God. Jesus is the only way to heaven. Jesus opens the way for us. And here in this stanza of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, We're pictured as pilgrims on a journey, and the request is that the gates would be opened up for us to come into God's presence, and not only that, but that the the paths that lead to hell would be shut from us, that God would bring us safely and securely home to him. And he does that when we have faith in Christ, because he is the only way. O come, thou key of David's store, unlock the heavenly gates once more. Safe journey to thy courts bestow, and shut the way that leads below. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The next name is the Daystar, or the day Spring. O come, thou Daystar, seen on high, with healing for our hearts, draw nigh. Do thou the mists of night dispel, and death's foreboding darkness quell? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The day star, or day spring, that word, it's an interesting word, Uh, it, it has to do with the morning star, so this is a bright planet, often Venus, that is seen in the eastern sky, before the sunrise or at sunrise and the idea is that it kind of is the sign or the signal the light before the light it's letting you know that the light is coming now the scriptural source for this is luke chapter one and i'm going to read verses 76 to 79 this is part of zechariah's prophecy and so the prophecy really is mainly, uh, at least in the beginning, talking about John the Baptist, but it also connects in with Jesus. And so here's what we read in Luke 1, starting in verse 76. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. So that's talking about John. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high, to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. So the word sunrise there, the sunrise shall visit us from on high, is the word that's being referred to here as daystar or dayspring. Every other time it gets translated in Scripture, it's translated as East. So it's the light in the East. And it's an interesting association in Scripture because God comes from the East. The entrance, for instance, even in the Garden of Eden is in the East. And so the sun that's coming up in the east is that signal or sign of the arrival of this king. That's the association here. And Jesus bringing knowledge of salvation is like sunrise in the darkness. It brings light to our darkness, the light of knowledge, the light of hope, the light that shows the path for us. O come thou day star seen on high, with healing for our hearts, draw nigh. Do thou the mists of night dispel and death's foreboding darkness quell? Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The next name of Christ in this great antiphons is the King of Nations or the King of the Gentiles. O come of Gentile hearts the king, a world that needs thee ransoming. And save thy servants who confess with humbled hearts their faithlessness. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. The source here is Haggai 2, 6, and 7. Amongst others, there are lots that could be turned to here. And here's what these verses say. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations so that the treasures of all nations shall come in. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. So when the Lord shakes things up, all nations will come in to him. It's really the same thing that we saw in Isaiah as well. And it's already and not yet. Christ has already come. The way has already been opened to the Gentiles. And by the way, that was God's plan all along. From the beginning, he was using Israel as a light to the nations. All along, people were invited from the other nations to join in with Israel. But now, in a new and greater way, the gospel has gone out to the nations. The Great Commission tells us that we have a role to play in that. And so all nations come in now to worship Christ. O come of Gentile hearts the King, a world that needs thee ransoming, and save thy servants who confess with humbled hearts their faithlessness. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. And then finally, the last and seventh name is Emmanuel, God with us. And here we're going to look at Isaiah chapter 7. If you want to turn there, go ahead. You don't have to. I can read it for you. Isaiah chapter 7. And we're going to look at verses 14 through 17. What's unique about this particular passage in terms of its uh, being a prophecy or a a foreshadowing of Christ is that it had a meaning in its own day that was very distinct. And so there's a, a... a child that is promised in these verses, but that child initially was a child that was promised in Isaiah's own day as a sign to the people who lived then. But that child and that prophecy about that child has a greater or further meaning in pointing us forward to Christ. Isaiah chapter 7, and we'll start in verse 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey when he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. For before the boy knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land whose two kings you dread will be deserted. The Lord will bring upon you and upon your people and upon your father's house such days as have not come since the day that Ephraim departed from Judah the king of Assyria. I won't go into all the history of it, but you have a land that is uh, under threat. And the promise that is given here is a child who will be named Emmanuel. And the virgin, that word, can mean a young maiden. It can mean a um, a virgin, and so the the word works both in Isaiah's context and it works for its greater meaning in the virgin birth of Christ that we find in the pages of the New Testament. But this child is going to be born, and before the child is even old enough really to to get on um, grown-up food, so to speak, he's going to be living out in the wilderness. There's going to be Uh, A terror that comes. There's going to be dark days ahead. But the promise is that God is with us, Emmanuel. Even in the midst of dark days, God's presence is with us. So when you look at what happens in the time that Christ comes, it was dark days, difficult circumstances. The Romans were in charge. And for many Jews, there was suffering. Jesus wasn't the only person to be crucified. There were thousands of crucifixions, many crucifixions every day in the Roman Empire. It was a dark time. And within a generation after Christ, Jerusalem was besieged and ultimately destroyed. It was dark days. And the people of God have faced dark days throughout Christian history. And for us, we look at our own times, and I would rather be living in 2019 than 2020, Now, my suffering is pretty minimal, even here in 2020. But you can look forward and you can see trends and you can say things don't look good. And you can see the church struggling in many places, in certain states in our own country and in many other countries in the world. And you can see, in a sense, dark days. And so the promise of God here is that when his people face difficult times, God is with us. God is with us. And in the arrival of Christ, that's not just sentiment. It's actually flesh and blood. God is with us here in the flesh. Jesus came and lived among us. And not only lived among us, suffered and died in our place. and He gives us his righteousness. And so that's an important promise for us to remember. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Redeem thy captive Israel, that doth in exile homeless mourn until her Savior Christ be born. Rejoice, rejoice. Emmanuel is born to save thee, Israel. So as we look back over the great antiphons, O come, O come, Emmanuel. In the seven names of Christ, we have these great promises that point us forward to who Christ would be. He is the wisdom He's the truth, and this is where we find life. He is the Lord. We see that Jesus is the ultimate Lord of all. He is the root of Jesse. He's the one who brings life out of death. He's the key of David, and we need to believe that Jesus is the way to God. He's the dayspring. He's the one who brings light and knowledge and hope and sight. He's the king of the nations. And one day all will worship him, and he is Emmanuel, God with us. And in dark days, our God is with us. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for these names of Christ that we can look back in your word and we can see just the significance of all of the promises and the hints and the types and the foreshadowings that pointed forward Christ the Messiah. We thank you for all of the truth and the hope that is wrapped up in those names and titles. And as we sing the songs of Christmas, I pray that you'd help us to sing with the understanding, that we would sing with, um, with attention given to what it is that we're saying about you, and that in the act of singing, in the act of our spirit's uniting together to lift you up and to sing these truths about you, that you would, by your Spirit, cement those truths in our hearts and minds, and that they would give us encouragement and hope as we walk the path that you have given us to walk in these days. And we pray this in the name of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus. Amen.